Welcome to the Money Class Podcast, a podcast made by students for students. Few are taught the fundamentals of finance and money management in high school and universities. This podcast will tackle the need for non-business students to learn more about this topic with the goal of helping them become more dependent and financially literate. Welcome to the pilot episode. Alright Mark, well I'm just going to introduce myself to everyone. My name is Costa Kunadis. I am a second year student at Concordia University. I double major in economics and English literature. And, uh, and yeah, I'm really passionate and interested about the world of business, entrepreneurship, storytelling, uh, the arts, and I kind of want to find a way to combine all of that together. How about you, Mark? That's cool. Yeah, so uh, my, for, for those who know me, uh, who don't know me, my name is Mark. I'm a third year student at JMSB, the John Molson School of Business studying finance. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm inv- interested in the world of investing, of the world of private equity. Uh, everything kind of in that capital markets world is something that's very interesting. But also taking that knowledge and then bringing it down, breaking it down to students in high school and, and CJAP and university who may not be as passionate about finance like you know, people like you and me, Costa. Um, I think it's great to take that and then, and then teach it and explain it in a way that's so much more informal and so much easier to understand. So um, hopefully we'll be able to do something like that in, in these, uh, these podcasts. For sure. Well, more specifically, how do we get started with this idea? Like, tell them a bit about our involvement with Penny Drops, and I'll, I'll tell them about my experience with Penny Drops. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I started seeing, about a year ago, I went to a few events that Penny Drops was hosting, that the McGill chapter was hosting. And, you know, it was, it was Financial Literacy Month. So there was a class on budgeting, another one on investing, um, on credit, 10 money hacks. And that was while I was doing my internship at Galliant, which is a small hedge fund here in Montreal. So needless to say, I had a relatively good understanding about the world of finance, investing. But I wanted to see how that was being translated and how that was being explained to students who may not know anything about that. Think about students who aren't studying in, in, in business. You know, how is this information being taught to them? And I think that, you know, when we went to the, that event together, I remember it was like a, it was like a, what was it, like a November night. It was, it was like yeah. probably the first snowfall. We had like our shoes <laughs> on and we're running to make it to the, uh, to the event on time. <laughs> and it was great. It was fun. They had a cahoot. We had a good time. Met some people who, who you know, who are like-minded, who want to learn about finance. And then from there, you joined Penny Drop first, if I'm not mistaken. And then I yeah. kind of followed in your path a few months later and I joined the Penny Drops as well. And uh, this, you know, this semester we're, we're giving classes. Um, I gave one last week and uh, hopefully we'll be able to give more in November and, and the subsequent months. For sure. Well, my experience with Penny Drops, I came on board right when they were actually founding the chapter at Concordia. And I was kind of interested because of the fact that it was very much related to just the business world. And I just wanted to get my eyes, I just wanted to get myself out there in some way, anyway, really. And financial literacy at first, like, I, I remember reading this book. I think it was in the summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. It was called, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And there was, like, you know, all the typical, like, I think, the, the, what is it called? The Babylon? I'll tell you right now, it was a good book. I have it right here. I think it's called The Richest, yeah, The Richest Man in Babylon. And those are typical finance books people start reading, like, when they want to get into this world. And, um... Yeah, it, it taught me a lot. But was it complicated lot. finance? Was it complicated finance? No, or was it, it like, like was it was it digestible? You know, able to understand easily. Super easy to understand. Made for the masses. It was the, my okay. first experience with talk, like just reading about finance. 
And that's what got me into it. And I'm like, okay, Penny Jobs kind of does the same thing, but does it through like a more formal way through mentoring students in high schools. And uh, that was my first introduction to that stuff. And I just really wanted to, to dive more deeper into that world. And man, it's been a great experience. I remember in December, January, talking to students and seeing what they knew and what they did not know. I was honestly a little shocked at how much people don't know because they it's don't have crazy, these classes huh? in the universities and high school. There are things yeah. that you would think are so so intuitive, so common sense, and you realize that like, oh my God, people don't know what it, how interest <laughs> is compounded. It's, you know, it's, yeah. sometimes I talk to people and I say, oh, dividends, capital gain, like these are, these are things that we learn in our first week in business school. And you know, to someone say, wait, what's capital gain? How, what are dividends? How, how does that impact my investments? I find that baffling that the education system is lacking what is fundamentally mm-hmm. you know, rooted in our society, right? You could be a very hard worker working 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week, right? And you could be poor. But that, that makes no sense, yeah. right? That's There's so cool. many opportunities just, you know, the fact that people have thousands of dollars in their checking account or their savings account is, 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 is mind-blowing, right? You're losing 2% per year just on inflation. So you're actually getting poorer every year you keep your money in your account. That's very at that true. point, put it, at that point, put it under your bed. At least you'll have some bragging rights. It's going to do the same. Honestly. Well, I, I like to use the example. You keep, you whenever, keep, your, money on, you keep your money on your bed, under your bed, Costa? No, no. I invest everything. <laughs> and then the only thing I have to say for savings account, it's really good to have an emergency fund and have yeah. your money savings in a, in a savings account because it's easier to withdraw whenever you need it like off the bat. So it, it can, yeah, it can but, have its benefits, but for some things, not all things. Yeah, a certain amount, but even then, you know, you want to be making at least 1%, 2%, like a savings account, there's so many different types and you could have special savings accounts, right? So like a GIC or or even like a, you know, a treasury bond, a government bond, let's say, which is going to yield 1%, 2%, which is 1% or 2% better than you would in a checking account and probably one and a half, you know, half a percent to one and a half percent better than in a savings account. So as soon as you do a little bit of work, you're able to make considerable well not much but a little bit more money i i totally agree i totally agree on that and i remember with students in high schools the one thing i kept on it's a typical example but it's like and it's also the first rule we teach people spend less more spend less than you make obviously yeah but it's like if there's a new iphone out there it doesn't mean you need to go buy it if the one you have has been working really well and does the job it's, it makes no sense. I think those are very small, simple rules that can then make you to think, it gets you to think more about other things you can do to save more money and spend less, but be more smart about it. Doesn't mean you, you, you have to eat noodles all day and not necessarily enjoy your life. <laughs> you know, there are, there are times where, um, there are times where I think you love, fa- let's say you love fashion, Mark, and you like Which I don't, buying really <laughs> expensive, <laughs> someone out there Everyone has fashion, something that makes them like, tick. <laughs> Exactly. And they love buying really expensive shoes and, and just clothes, pants, whatever it is. You can make it so that you can spend a lot on fashion because you like it, while also maybe finding other ways to save money by um, not buying a really expensive car because you don't necessarily care about cars or yeah. by living in a more modest house because you don't necessarily care that much about uh, your, your living space as, as much as say someone else who really wants to buy a really beautiful yeah. house, a bigger house, whatever it is. So I think there are ways like that where you can, you know, still enjoy your life without overspending. 
Well, yeah, well, it's a question of what you prefer, right? So, you know, I'm someone who, who's very into cars, right? That's kind of my, what makes me tick. Now, I wish I had hobbies that were less expensive, um, but, you know, I don't spend on clothing very much, right? This is a $7 Old Navy t-shirt, which I have about 12 of them <laughs> in my closet. I've got black, I've got gray, I've got white. That's 90% of what I wear, and that's 90% of what you guys are going to see. Uh, <laughs> but see, but, uh, but that, that's like one thing that I, that I don't spend money on. But then I have other things that I really like. Right. So so like when I when I work on my cars or going out to a restaurant with some friends, like that'll go a hundred percent. But you know, there's other things that doesn't that doesn't interest me, so I don't have to keep up with the Joneses with everything. Right? Like I know you dress better than me. I'm not gonna try to compete, you know. <laughs> but but I'm more into cars than you and that's fine, right? We 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 yeah. end up we end up appreciating other people's hobbies without necessarily having to one up everyone. Right, because I could one you, I could one up exactly. you in fashion. I could one up another friend in in their travels. I could try to one up everyone in in housing and in cars. Uh, uh, at some point, the only person who's going to be wanting up is is the bank towards me. <laughs> I agree, dude. I, I totally agree. It's that kind of brings me to the to a point I want to make about credit cards. Because yeah. I feel like when people think of spending, they think of credit cards or line of credits, whatever it is. And yeah. although there are a lot of great things. I love credit cards if you know how to use them correctly and responsibly. Yeah. But most, most likely than none, a lot of people use them in a way where they get into massive amounts of debt. They pay 20% interest on stupid things, whatever it is. 30, 40%. 30 exactly. to 40% yeah. on credit cards is crazy. When you compound it's it crazy. annually, astronomical. And it affects more than you think. It, does, it doesn't just mean that you're going to pay more money. It affects your credit score. Do you want to tell them a little about credit and what that is, how, what is a credit score, how does it affect your future? Well, yeah, so a credit, core, credit score is essentially how much a bank trusts you, right? So I'm 18 years old, I wanna buy a house for half a million dollars. I go to the bank, they'll say, who is this guy, right? Who is this guy, who is this girl? Why, why should I trust them, right? And for, you know, rightfully so, they're not gonna trust you. If, if I'm walking on the street and someone comes up to me and asks me for 20 bucks, do you think I'm gonna give it to them? Yes or no? No, obviously, right? I mean, well, it's yeah. the same thing with the bank. Same thing with the bank, right? You asked me for 20 bucks, Costa. We have a trust relationship, right? I paid for your dinner, you paid for my dinner. Sounds like we're going out now, but you know, we go out to a movie, <laughs> I'll pay once, you'll pay once. It's like we're going out. <laughs> but, but that's because we have a rapport, we have a trust. We've been building a credit, yeah. we've been building a, uh, we've had different transactions with, with each other. So as a result, when you ask me, hey, Mark, you know, I need a thousand bucks, I wanna. I want to buy a camera to start my YouTube channel. I don't have much money, but I'll pay you 100 bucks every month for the next two years, for the next year and a half. And I'll be like, sure, yeah, no problem, Costa. Here's, you know, send you the transfer. If I have the money, I'm going to do it to you because we have trust. We have credit. We have a credit worthiness. So that's the same thing with the bank, right? So at 18 years old, it's a bit hard to get big loans. But what you can do is get a little, you know, credit card, 500 bucks, $1,000, $2,000, relatively small limits. But it's a bank that's, you're starting a relationship with the bank. So that when you're going to be asking for fifteen thousand for a car, hundred fifty thousand dollars for your first condo, half a million dollars, hopefully you could buy a private jet one day. You know, with maybe, <laughs> hopefully the bank will will be able to uh, to trust you with ten million dollars. But but it's when you start small, you're able to build a credit, and when you build a credit, the bank trusts you more, and they're able to give you more money for a lesser rate. Right. So if I have two friends, one that I one that pays me back half the time, another friend that that never pays me back or pays me. One that pays me back all the time and one that pays me back half the time. 
The one that I trust more, I'm going to say, you don't have to pay me as much interest. I don't, you're not as risky to me. So I could give him a lower interest rate, maybe not with friends, but let's say with a bank. Versus, you know, the difference between a 2% and a 4% interest rate may be small, you know, nominally, so the number you see, but on half a million dollars for a house over 25 years, we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars that you're saving or that you're, you're spending more just because you didn't want a credit card at 18 or you wanted, you know, you wanted to wait five years. This is exactly you, why you, I you asked a, you to explain it. You, you you're, were, you're so good at explaining credit card. Yeah. You were against credit card, Costa. I remember I was like 18, 19, yeah. going out. Costa's using his debit card. He's using cash. Costa, explain. Why, why were you doing this? Okay, so um, it's because I was afraid of credit cards. I, I, every time I saw people use credit cards, I, I just saw it as like a debt machine. Because I knew a lot of people, I know that a lot of people just don't know how to use credit cards. And it just, I feel like I was going to be trapped in that cycle. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. after a bit of back and forth with just myself and kind of just doing more research on the topic, um, I know I, I, I started to realize how credit limits work, the types of credit cards you can buy, how the fees work. There, there are annual fees, purchasing fees, there are benefits. All of that kind of got me to realize that if I, if I am responsible and if I really take the time to, to learn about this subject, I, I, can, I can find a way to make it benefit me in the long term so what I did is that the very first thing I did and I think anybody any student should do this is go out and get yourself uh, a student credit card uh, with whatever bank you're you're at it's every bank has a student credit card or it's like their base credit card new annual fees very simple a small credit limit it can be five hundred dollars a thousand dollars just something to get you started and to help build your credit history and yeah uh, it's, there are benefits too. You can get points, maybe let's say scene points where you can go to the movie theaters and, and watch movies for free depending on how much you buy with your credit card. Sometimes they give you extended warranties on products. Say you buy yourself yeah. a computer. It, there are so many good benefits, but the big thing is you want to build your credit score and pay it off on time. Um, say you, can, you get a $500 limit on your credit card. You know, Tell yourself that you, you'll only use 30% of that credit card per month maximum because that'll help you build your credit score and at the same time, it'll help you be more... It, 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 it's almost like a discipline thing. If you tell yourself yeah. something and you try and hit that goal every month, you'll get to a point where maybe down the line, you know, it, you'll, you'll, you'll build that. It's like a muscle you're building. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, but your credit card, treat it as a debit card, right? Like I'm never going to spend more than what I have. That makes no sense. I just think, you know, my, deb- my debit account, I look at it, you know every once in a while to see, you know, to make sure I have money inside. But, you know, my, che- my talk about my checking account, but, you know, my debt, my credit card is what I, 99% of my, 100% of my daily transactions are through my credit card. Every month mm-hmm. I have an automatic payment. So it just takes on my debit card from my, from my checking account. I don't have to think about it, but I'm not here spending, you know, $1,000 every weekend going buying Gucci, you know, uh, <laughs> Gucci, uh, clothing because like I don't have the money. So why would I spend more than what I have? Exactly. It's so tempting. I totally agree. It's so tempting, but you have to say, I don't have the money. I can't, I'm not going to spend it. Like, it doesn't make sense. Unless yeah, if you have you a way, you know you're going to pay it. But that's a, different, that's a different subject. Exactly. But you mentioned something really interesting there, the, the automatic payments. I think that's yeah. a great way to, find, to, to just manage your money without having to think about it. Because I feel like, you know, we're humans. So obviously, we might be super motivated one day and we're, we're checking our bank accounts, making sure everything's paid off. We're doing whatever is needed. But other days we're just not there. We're busy. Something happens. We're not looking at that stuff. And it, it can kind of like, 
it, it just won't be on, on your mind and you might miss some payments, which is not a good thing. I think automating your money through your banks, bank accounts makes it so that you are responsible without having to think about it, which is such a big thing for students altogether. Yeah. I, what I do personally, I have my checking account. Everything goes through my checking account, any payments, anything I have. And then Netflix, I'll Spotify. automate it. So, exactly. Okay. No, Netflix and Spotify, I put that on my credit card. But what I do is that okay. my checking account will send money to my credit card to pay uh, back the, the, let's say, $10 I use to pay for uh, a Spotify mm -hmm. membership or a Netflix membership. Um, I have my checking account to automate some money, to, to send some money into my, say, my investing account, which is with, uh, with Questrade. It's not with the banks. Um, so all of that stuff works together and I don't have to do anything. I just have to check it once or twice a month, make sure everything's working well. I'm not, yeah. uh, you know, there are any red flags for whatever reason and I'm good to go. Yeah, but that's what you need to do, right? You know, Netflix automatically takes money from your account every month, right? Why can't you do this? Why can't you pay yourself every month? You're okay with that's paying these multinationals. Yeah. Why can't you pay yourself? It's, uh, I tell myself this all the time. I have to treat myself like a company. I need yeah. to pay myself. I, I always need to do that. Otherwise, all my money is going to other people. And that's not necessarily going to help you save money in the future. If you have, say, as a student, you're making $300 a, a week. And that comes into your bank account every Thursday. Take 20% of that amount or 10% of that amount and put it into an investing account or a savings account, whatever works for you. I would recommend investing. It's just investing accounts are the best, like a tax-free savings account. But that is the best thing anyone can do to save money right now. Yeah. Even if though you might be making a little bit, it's a little bit can go a long way in the future because it is compounded too. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like the average, like if you take a relatively safe investment, like... Okay, so the S&P 500, which is, a, which is the, essentially a, a market index, so it's pretty much taking the 500 largest companies in the US and then pulling it down into like kind of one index so you could see the price. You know, essentially, you're seeing the movement of the 500 largest companies every day for you know, any trading day, any, any, any business day. Since, in about in the last 10 years, the S&P 500 has, if I'm not mistaken, has, has increased at about 15% year over year, over year um, compounded, you know, in total from 2000 since the financial crisis to, to today. It's 15% per year. At 10% per year compounded, which is less than what the S&P, what the market is doing, you double your money every seven years. 10% is not a lot, right? Like 10%, you go on the market, you get a broad, you know, you, you buy shares of Apple, of, of Facebook, of Amazon. These are techs. Uh, you get into pharmaceuticals, get some Johnson & Johnson. Like these are these broad indexes that you buy. It's like one, it's, it's one, one trade that you do, every seven years at 10%, you double your money. And at 15%, mm -hmm. the advantages are that much better. So it, I, it doesn't crazy. make sense to me. Compared why, to a why, savings why account, which is like 0.5%, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah, it's a big difference. But then, of course, you've got the risk with, the, with, with investing. But you know, if you believe that the economy will continue. If you believe that people are still going to go and buy stuff on, uh, online or you know, if, people, if, if you believe that people are still going to live their lives, then there's no reason, and you believe that population is going to grow, then there's no reason for you to be pessimistic about the market or about, about the economy on the long term, right? Six months, exactly. you could have a crash. Two years, you could have a crash. Yeah. But on the long term, we're talking about five years, 10 years horizon, which, you know, what is so pressing that you need your money in six months, right? Exactly. Recessions happen, it's but it's, it's, 
it, it goes up and down, up and down. Right now we have a yeah. pandemic. The stock market was was hit really hard on, in March. Now things are kind of, you know, going back to normal. It's exactly, there might be it's another higher hit, than it that's was. that's fine. It's higher than it was in March. Uh, it was higher than it was in, in, in before it crashed in, in March. But even then, if there is another hit, that is okay. Because in seven years, 10 years, whatever the case is, the stock market will be much higher than it is now. It's proven that it always goes up long term. So, yeah, yeah, there's no, no reason definitely. to worry, I feel. Yeah, so, you know, of course, so yeah. short term, it may be difficult, but, but long term. You know, in, in, 2000, in January 2008, before the Great, before the, the great Recession, before the, uh, before the mortgage back, before the big recession in 08, um, let's, let's bring everything down to $100. Uh, like, you know, let's imagine the S&P was $100, okay? A year mm-hmm. later, the S&P was worth $50. So that $100 stock was now half the value, right? You're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to jump off a cliff, right? <laughs> if you kept that $100, it went down to $50. Today, that's worth $240. Exactly. In the 12 years, it's crazy. From, from, from trout to peak, you know, or even from, from before, before the, 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 the crash to today, you would have over doubled, you would have done, you know, 250%, 150%, sorry. So, yeah, it's, um, it makes, Go ahead. No, but that, that's, what, you know, yeah, you have some ups and downs, but in the long run, you're going to come out ahead. And yeah, exactly. And I feel like people don't understand that you don't need to have millions of dollars to invest into the stock market. Everyone can do that. You can invest $100 and start with that and just automate some payments into your investing account yeah. every here and there, whenever you can. That Start with whatever you have, even if it's $5, $10. Okay, maybe not 5 because it's like like. <laughs> some fees involved but like whatever you have bucks, you can whatever. start investing a hundred bucks start investing with that in the long term you'll be be happy because you're also learning it's not a, yeah. necessarily only about making the money especially now we're students right as students losing fifty dollars or a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars it might it might hurt a bit but it's it's fine you're learning you're gonna make a lot more money in the future so yeah don't be Hopefully. too scared to lose some money. <laughs> Hopefully, don't be too scared to lose some money now because it's it's a it's you're learning from that. You're learning from your mistakes. I think yeah. that's really important to, to talk about. How um, yeah, you want to you want to treat the small sums like if it was big sums, right? Because that's exactly. then they whether you're trading a hundred dollars, a thousand, or or ten thousand, or hundred thousand dollars, you're the same person. So your habits are going to be the same, right? So. Mm-hmm. Just a question of scaling your operations when you have more more money, but at the end of the day, you're doing the exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to a point I want to make about like losing money and stuff like that. A lot of people right now are in a space where, especially students who didn't necessarily have the, the like financial education of any sort, and are in a place where they have a lot of debt right now. Maybe it's student debt. Maybe it's just debt because they didn't know how to use a credit card, and that happens. And I think it's really important to say that we are talking about investing, but the very first thing anybody should do when they have debt is to um, pay off that debt before they start investing or saving some money on the side because the interest on debt is, is, is brutal. Pay yeah. that off first, then do everything you need to do uh, to, to make more uh, down the line. I think that's really important to yeah. mention. But it's a question of seeing you know, what's the worst type of debt that you have. So like a credit card debt, Pay that off immediately. You're thirty exactly. percent. It's 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 robbery. It's crazy. It um, is. It is. After that, you know, student debt is not that bad. It's relatively low interest rate. 
like what I did, like um, like even a student line of credit, they're one percent, two percent. They're not very high interest rates, so it's not that bad. Um, you know, if you have ten thousand dollars and you have the choice of paying down all your student debt or investing it, I'm I guess more of a risk taker. I I think that better to make ten percent than to pay off something that's only costing me two percent because I'm going to be coming out eight percent ahead, right? So that's what mm-hmm. I'm doing now. So so I guess if you're going to go to a personal story quick quickly. So that was a Serb, right? So the uh, the the, uh, the Canadian uh, student benefit, the uh, this Canadian benefit. benefits, of, exactly for you know people that that got hit by when COVID. they were giving out two thousand dollars a month during the pandemic. You're talking about like a few months ago. Exactly. You want to exactly. You want to yeah. Yeah. So I, I got roughly you know ten thousand dollars out of that, but you know I also lost mm-hmm. my job. I was working. Um, you know I ended up taking class over the summer, but anyways, I, I you know I qualified and, and and I and I got you know I got the money. So now I had a certain amount that I had an option. What can I do with it? Do I invest it? Do I go buy a car? What do I do, right? So I was in the market for a car anyways, right? And, I, and I'm still a student, so I have access to a student line of credit. So what I did is I went to the bank. I opened a student line of credit, $10,000 for, I think it's like 1.5%. Like it's a very low interest rate until one year after I graduate. So what I did is I took the 10,000, I invested in the market at, at stuff that are very safe. We're talking about banks, we're talking about mix, mix, but we're talking about an in- indexes, banks, stuff that are, you know, in five years, they're going to be ahead than they are today. Maybe in six months, no, but in five years, they'll be ahead. So what I did mm-hmm. is I, I'm essentially leveraging my money. Now, this is, again, a bit of a risky situation, uh, but I took out a line of credit, and every month, I'm paying down the interest and a bit of the principal, but it's like a 1.5% versus what I'm making on the market is like 10 15%, right? So that's mm-hmm. a bit of a risky situation that I'm doing with, uh, that I'm doing, um, but at the end of the day, I still have an asset. I have a car that I could sell. Like I wouldn't go, do, I wouldn't do that and buy yourself, um, which an asset. Granted, a car is more of a liability, but um, I wouldn't go buy. I wouldn't go buy clothing because if ever you need to pay pay back the Serb for ten grand, and you all you have are, are, are some clothing, some clothing. These are a bit harder to sell. They're not as liquid as a- assets, as tangible. I- I would argue though, like assets and liabilities, I want want to go a bit into that. I feel like cars, clothing, they could be an asset. Expenses. But you say that it could be an asset, like collectibles. I'm saying like people who make a lot of money and buy collectible cars, but even clothing. I know a lot of people who buy, um, let's say, a a really um, popular or like a a hyped up. Yeah, like hoodies or or hoodie supreme, like all of these high end brands. You buy them for like two hundred dollars for a pair, and then you sell it for six hundred or a thousand dollars a few months down the line. That happens. That's that's an asset for yeah. sure. And but don't treat cars, clothes, all of that stuff. Don't treat it all as an asset. It's more like most more likely than none a liability. A liability. That means it's making you spend money. It's not making you make money. You yeah. you know cars. You understand cars. You know, I'm sure you knew exactly what you were doing. Credit, line of credit, taking the, the serve money, exactly. figuring it out. A lot of people, though, they take a lot of risk with that stuff. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. recommend it to the everyday person. No, that's true. No, you have to have a good understanding to do that. But as soon as you have a bit of knowledge about how credit works and how investing works, that's, that's why the opportunities are so much fun. It's because I'm able to invest my money. I can have, an, I can have a car at a very low interest rate that I could pay back. Right? I'm able to enjoy my life you know, now we're assuming that materialistic objects are going to, well, not saying that materialistic <laughs> objects are making it that I can enjoy my life, but you could, I'm able to live 
not above my means because I'm I'm able to pay for it. If I needed to to you know, to pay back the loan tomorrow, I could do it. Um, but I have options, right? And that's what credit mm -hmm. allows you to do. How many people could how many people you know could go and buy a house outright? Not many people, right? But you're the right. fact that you have credit, the fact that you're able to take out a mortgage, means that you're able to you know to to, to afford to afford something um, that you may not be able to pay up front. I totally agree. It just it's a matter of, of being cautious about what you're doing and really knowing what you're doing. I, yeah. I always tell people, educate yourself. There are, the internet is, it's literally a big encyclopedia for everything you ever wanted to know. Granted, uh, you need to make sure that what the internet is telling you is actually like true, yeah. real and makes sense because a lot of times, especially in the finance world, business, all of that stuff, it's a big affiliate link. I hear that a lot. I see a lot of YouTubers who talk about this. They'll recommend a, a lot of stuff, affiliate link. So a lot of people on articles, YouTubers, they'll recommend a lot of different things, but a lot of the times it's because they're sponsored and they want you to go uh, open an account with a, a certain bank or a certain uh, investing company just because it makes the money. So just make sure you read as much as you can about the topics. Canada, the government of Canada, um, on their website, they have little lessons. Yeah. What is... How do I, what is mortgage? How do I go about this? How do I buy a house? They give you a step-by-step -step process explaining it to you. So I think that's really important. Make sure you educate yourself. Yeah. And, and you there's know. even a, uh, and even going back to the bank, the bank accounts we were talking about earlier, there's a website, I think it's FCOB, uh, Bank Account Canada. If you write that on, on Google, I think it's FCOB, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it essentially helps you find the type of account that works best for you. We're talking, right? And, and, all this could be done. You go online, you put in your, your details, your student, you want some interest, you need your money in six months, you want it to be available now. You, you go through a process, it takes you a few minutes, and then they say these are the best bank accounts you could open at the best banks. Oh, there you go. And from the government. So you're not actually, you know, they're not getting a kickback, they're not getting money from these banks, or you would hope, you would hope not. Uh, but it's the government educating its constituents, right? And, 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 I we pay taxes to a government, so you know we're we're allowed to reap the benefits, um, especially in education. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings me to a thing like websites. I would recommend for for you to just like find all the different options that are provided to you in your certain location, especially in Canada. Uh, there's RateHub.ca. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Um, they you know they help you. They help you compare rates. I would guess. So yeah, you can go on <laughs> RateHub. Say you want to open. A, a, you want to check mortgage rates, uh, I don't know, savings account, like what kind of, especially savings accounts, what I like to do is that I'll go there, I'll check all the different savings accounts available in Canada, and I will open uh, the highest, uh, um, what is it called? Um, like, the. Let, let me, I'll tell you right now because I have it right in front of me. They're called like Momentum High Free Savings Accounts. It's not like, it's something like that, where it's like savings accounts that are like three, four, five percent more like 3%, 3.5% three mm -hmm. um, compared to say like a, a regular bank which would give you like a 0 0.5 or a 1% yeah, and I'll open that up. And then it goes with time. Obviously these things change, but my point is I can get all the information on one page and then figure out which one I want you know, to go with. Yeah, That's a big one. Rate Hub, there's something called Greedy Rates, I think. A bunch of websites like that people should check out. It's, it's, really, it's really fun. Mm -hmm. we didn't but isn't that. it complicated to be moving your money like from bank to bank? No, no, this was like... I, I, let me rephrase it. It's more of like a one-time thing where I'm like, okay, let's see what bank gives me the better 
benefits okay. or the better interest rates. And then I'll kind of keep my money there. Obviously, if like another bank offers a bit more, I will not necessarily like go with that bank. But this applies to investing accounts or whatever it is. It's just finding the one that works best for you, figuring out which one gives you the best offer, and then just going with that and kind of sticking with it while also maybe checking here and there to see like what the competition yeah. offers. It just helps you be more educated, I think. That's more of what and I'm trying to say. Education yeah. more than sometimes anything. Sometimes your own, yeah. No, and sometimes your own bank even has some special, uh, some specials for like you know, for new customers. And you could be like, wait a second, I'm your loyal customer. How how come you're not giving me the same thing as the new customers? <laughs> so, you know, you speak to your finance yeah. your financial advisor. Speak speak to the people at the bank whom you work with. And if you work with no one, that's fine. There's that's a relationship that you could start and you you should start. Um, but you know, you're that's saying, true. look, there's these new people that you're giving these 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 good rates and, and these advantages to. Why can't I get the same thing as as your loyal customer? Right? Because you're a customer of a bank. Remember. Exactly. You're a customer. It's a customer. I mean, you are essentially their product, as bad as it sounds. But it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a two-way like situation. Like you both benefit from each other's uh, business. Yeah. Yeah, because they're taking so, yeah. your money and they're letting it to someone else, and one day that someone else is going to be you. So, and mm, if you have a good exactly. rapport, you have a good relationship with with your bank, it'll be much easier to get a, a, a better rate, better better loans, better mortgages, and uh, save you some money mm -hmm. in the long term, right? Yeah, I, I remember when I, a few times I didn't know exactly what to do with my money, um, and I didn't know who to talk to. This was exactly. Well, if you want to start saving for you know for down payment on a house, in five years, in ten years, you want to start saving you know for talk about the compounding effect of your money and how the earlier you save the the okay okay talk about compound interest compound interest with tax planning oh tax planning <laughs> tax planning is another fun subject uh, with <laughs> financial planning. <laughs> okay okay so we'll get right into it um okay so we ended all right and that brings me to the topic okay um so another thing i kind of thought about are we both <laughs> just okay <clears throat> another thing we kind of talked or we both kind of talk about a lot is compound interest and kind of like financial planning yeah. it's more about a compound the world of compound interest that's what i want to get into you want to tell yeah. me a bit about it because I know you love that. You love that subject. You explain it really well. Go ahead. <laughs> it's it's very simple. So the idea of compound interest is that when you start um, accumulating interest on a certain principle on a certain base amount, that interest is now added to your base amount, and the year after you're making money on the money you've made. Let's go a little, quick little numerical example and be much simpler. <laughs> so you've got a hundred bucks, right? You've got a ten percent interest rate, okay? that your $100 is gonna be growing every year. Keep it simple. After one year, you've got $110, mm -hmm. right? 10% times 100, plus the 100 you had at the beginning, you've got 110. There, now you've got $110 on which the 10% is being applied to. So that 110, a year after, 10% of 110 is $11. 110 because I'm 121, okay? 100, yeah, my math is right. 121, 10% of that now for the year, your, your third year. So 121 is one, two, one. So that's twelve and a half dollars uh, sorry, $12, $12 and some change. So now the year, at the end of the year, at the end of your third year, you got $133, right? So in three years, your 100 became $133. So that's essentially the idea of a compound interest, is that your interest is growing, well, it's is growing, um, is growing, and you're making money off of that. 
Yeah, well, it's 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 funny you mentioned that. Well, it's not. Cutting. It's more the wording I wanted to use. Sorry, I think yeah, I think ahead. I think cut. Anyways, the word I wanted to use is uh, your money is making money, which is making money. So it's like you're having yeah. your money work for you. That is exactly. what I like to say. You're not the only one working. Your money's working for you too. It's like an employee. As weird as it sounds, that's kind of what it is. Because yeah. the interest you make on that money will then make you more interest in the future. That's compound. It's yeah. exponential. It's kind of what we talked about before when we said that in seven years, you'll have doubled your money in the stock market because that's mo- money is compounded, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why oh, yeah. it's important to speak with a financial advisor and a financial planner because the earlier you start, the, the, the more impact that, that money is going to have in the long, in the long run. Right, so you're gonna exactly. have had one extra year of compounding, and don't think about a hundred dollars compounding. Think of it when that hundred dollars becomes three, four hundred dollars, and now you've got compound interest on your compound interest for years and years and years. You know, if you start the difference between starting at twenty versus twenty-five, let's say you you know you save a thousand bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month, let's say the difference is is huge just because you started a few mm-hmm. years before, and it's bigger than the cumulative amount of your uh, of of the money that you're dispersing than the money that you're coming out of your pocket to invest and to save your money because of thanks to the effect of compound interest. And, and that exactly. kind of goes with, and, and Costa, um, you know, you said you've spoken with some financial advisors. Why, why would it be important? What's the difference? Do you know the difference between an advisor and a planner? Financial planner? Um, I mean, from what I understand, because I, I, I have heard of the two, it's like a financial advisor for yeah. me at least, it's more of a thing where I'm like, I want to be very, I'll, I'll Google something, I'll kind of get an idea of a certain topic, but then I'll go to a financial advisor and make sure that my facts were correct. Financial planner yeah. is more of a, hey, here is wh- what I have. Help me figure out a way to just make sure my, you know, my, my money works well in a given situation. That's what I've always understood of between the two. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and, and if we want to buy a house in five years, right? Let's say we're looking, we want a condo in Griffin Town for $300,000. We need 5% cash down um, for principal residence. So 5% of that is $15,000. I've got five years to accumulate 15 grand. Mm-hmm. I, have my I have my financial calculator. I can calculate how much you, you have to invest. Okay, I'm gonna get it. Oh, he's gonna do it. <laughs> oh. One second, one second, one second. Let me get it, okay? So let's say All right. we're gonna have a nice, let's say we're gonna be a bit more conservative, okay? So I, need, I just need to tell the even... audience, Mark, <laughs> I just need to tell the audience, Mark, you're like the math, like wizard. Every time you give examples, it's like pulling up with the numbers. I love it. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to prove to you what I'm saying is not like BS. What I'm saying is 100% accurate. Okay, so let's I say 10%, it. Go ahead. 10% is good. We'll say 8% to be, happy, to, be, to be safe. Okay, 10%, let's say you're skeptical. You're a bit conservative. Um, mm-hmm. 8% per year. Okay, so 8 percent per year we've got we said what we've got five years five years okay you want to have fifteen thousand dollars and you're starting with zero dollars today okay per month mm-hmm. you have to save 200 bucks that's all you need 204 dollars and 15 cents per month so that in five years you've got fifteen thousand dollars at an eight um, percent at an eight percent rate 205 dollars yep. times 60 which is number disbur- disbursements You've essentially, out of pocket, you've spent $12,300. You've taken out $12,500. But thanks to the world of interest, right, 
that's actually worth 15,000 thanks to the word compounding interest. Mm -hmm. So you've essentially got three grand for free just because you yep. decided to start a bit sooner. Mm -hmm. like, and that, again, like, that's, th that's um, crazy and it, it's amazing. But let's just also kind of, uh, as a side note, a lot of people, especially students, don't have that money or are not making that money, especially at times like these. But that doesn't mean, again, like I said before, you can't start with what you have a bit. Yeah. It can be as little as possible. It's fine. These are just numbers. These are exa like example numbers. It's fine. But yeah, I just wanted to use that as a side note. But yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. Cost about $205 a month. 205 bu bucks, okay? At minimum wage is what, 12.75 an hour? That's yeah. 16 Something hours. Like that, Divided by four, that's four hours a week. Mm -hmm. a minimum, uh, you're working a minimum, you're working minimum wage job. Minimum wage, 12.75. Four hours a week, that's going so that in five years you could buy yourself a house, a condo for 300 grand. If you put it like four that, I think that's a great deal. <laughs> it's I totally agree. <laughs> that, that's, that's the crazy People, part is that the earlier you start, the more you'll have access, the more, the, the more capital you'll have, the, the more options you're going to have in the future. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, if you put it that way, a lot of people can save that money if they just sacrifice, say, on their daily coffee at Starbucks or whatever the case is, too. It's, it, it, it is, especially the way you put it, it sounds very simple, but yeah, it, it's possible. That's what I want to, I, I want to go with. It's, um, how do I, how do I say this? It's, um, sometimes I feel like, again, personal opinion, but sometimes I feel like we kind of make it sound like we don't have money when in reality, if we look at our, where we spend our money through our like statements, we can find ways to save it through, especially we're 21. We're very young. Students are very young. Yeah. We can go ahead and eat noodles here and there so we don't have to buy, uh, so we don't have to, uh, so we can save a little bit of money to buy a house in the future. If it means yeah. sacrificing a piece of steak here and there for some noodles, I think it's totally worth it. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and like you brought up Starbucks, you see that, that's a, that, that's a point, but if, you know, Everyone has something that makes them tick, right? So if they really like their coffee in the morning or they like their frappuccino oh, when sure, they're done their sure. day, right? So yeah, if yeah. that's the reward you're giving yourself, I think then go ahead, right? Like enjoy your, 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 your Starbucks, but also be conscious that maybe you shouldn't get the Starbucks and the Louis Vuitton bank in, in the back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, well, okay, okay, they're different price points, but like, you know, make a little sacrifice. I'm not talking about a big sacrifice, but... When you, whenever you go somewhere, you don't use a car. Use your metro, the the metro. It's different things like that. It's yeah, yeah, it, because you're right. It's prioritize the things you like while sacrificing in the things you don't care as much at. That's ex exactly what we said before. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. We should quote that. Put on a plaque. Sacrifice, sac <laughs> sacrifice what you don't like. Put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but honestly, like keep what you like, right? Don't you know if you really like going to uh, the Marcus on a Friday night. Right, go out uh, with, with some friends. You like going to Beatrice and having uh, having your Italian, <laughs> what, having, having your dinner with your friends or, or, or with a date, and you do that on your Friday night. Go ahead, <laughs> but maybe you don't need to have um, you know Starbucks in the morning and another one in the afternoon, five days, seven days a week. I totally agree. Every day, and I totally agree. And uh, with that, I just want to wrap up this first pilot episode. Um, do you have any final thoughts, any final like one-liners, like t-shirt one-liners you want to give out to the people? Yeah, so we're talking about, uh, you know, we just finished the compounding, right? Yeah. Money, uh, you know, we always, we always have 
a tendency to prefer what we have now than in the future, right? I'd rather have $100 now than $110 in a year because what's the $10 difference and I'd rather have the immediacy. But money tomorrow, thanks to compounding, is worth so much more than money today, right? Mm -hmm. That if you are able to part with immediate satisfaction, that satisfaction, if we can contribute utilities, let's say, or satisfaction units to it, mm-hmm. is so much greater in the future if you're able to invest your money and, and, and just hold off on your impulses, right? If you could hold off uh, a 5 on 10 satisfaction today for a 10 on 10 satisfaction tomorrow, I think you're in business. That's, that's great. I love it. And I'll end with this very simple, one-liner, straightforward, spend <laughs> less than you make. Yes. Put that on a plate. Tell everyone you know, spend less than you make. It'll, you'll be much happier. You won't be in debt. And yeah, that's, that's, that's mine. With that, that's I just want to that, finish true. this episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just want to finish this episode. This is our pilot episode. Um, we hope everyone who listened through the whole thing enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be making more episodes in the future. So feel free to subscribe wherever you're listening. Feel free to like us on YouTube. Feel free to do all of that stuff. Support us, share. Uh, we love all of the support. My name is Costa and My name your is name is... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be back for episode two. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Money Class Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, make sure to subscribe or follow. See you next episode.